My name is Dr. Fabrice Robert Lubin, and I am a clinical psychologist. And I am Rachel Wagner, and I am a clinical therapist. Welcome to Mindful Chatter. This is a place where we keep it real, keep it relevant, catching up with one another, and most importantly, catching up with you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yeah? Yeah, I'm feeling a sense of confidence and positivity today. Something that I have not felt in months, it feels like. Yeah. So I'm grateful for this tiny bastion of it. It's a hard thing to come by sometimes, but it's nice when it visits. You know what I feel like I have right now? What? Control. Mm. I feel like I'm in control. Mm. But I'm not sure what I'm controlling or what exactly it is that I feel in control of. Mm-hmm. It's weird that we have this phrase that we use. I'm in control. Well, of what? Mm. Yeah, I don't. I think it, a lot of times I can very clearly understand when I'm feeling out of control. Um, but I think the feeling of being in control is almost an illusion sometimes. I think uh, we were talking earlier and I was like, well, what does control even feel like? Does it feel like you kind of got all of your ducks in a row? You've got everything planned out and all the plans that you're making are actually coming to fruition? I think of the term or the phrase we always use, I got this. Mm. Which I'm not sure what I have. So your confidence is allowing you to feel like you've got this but you don't necessarily have it like planned out. Your ducks aren't necessarily in a row. Well, I, I think that even the phrases that we're using, ducks in a row, I mean, is that what control is? When, Do you think you could even get ducks in a row? I feel like they would like move. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think that they would. I don't think that they would actually stay in a row now that I'm thinking about it. You like move one in a row and then you move the next one in a row. The other one's going to move. Right? So we actually don't have control of even the ducks in that row. Unless you're some sort of crazy dictator. Duck, <laughs> ducktator. But you move one duck and then the other one's going to move as soon as you move the other ones. I'm just envisioning this and it seems hilarious. <laughs> it, it's a really great image and I think it actually does kind of capture our thoughts and feelings on control, mm-hmm. which is that maybe it is an illusion or a sort of fantasy. This idea of keeping the ducks in the row or crossing your T's and dotting your I's, mm. right? That's always just make sure you cross your T's and dot those I's. Make sure you do it because if you forget, oh, oh no, <laughs> that would not be very good. Who in your life do you feel is the most in control of you? Of me in my life? Yeah. Oh, my, I, my myself, but even then... I don't feel like I'm not in control of my life at times. Sometimes I feel like maybe my boss is in control of like my work life, mm-hmm. right? Where they kind of dictate, what do you have to do? When do you have to do it? When does it need to be done? They say jump and I'm like, most of the time, okay, well, how high? Ask a couple questions. <laughs> I don't necessarily just do it all the time, but. I, I think that's such a fascinating thing to have that idea of the boss, right? This person who we ultimately give all of this power to Mm. that says, okay, this person is in control of my life or my work life, 40 to 60 hours of our lives Mm -hmm. is somebody who tells us what to do or where to go or where to be. Yeah. 
What about you? Who do you feel like is in control in your life? I have no idea. But I mean, I guess I think like you have a partner, you have a daughter, like you have other parts of your identity outside of work. Does your daughter sometimes control or dictate? There's a quote by James Baldwin, which I'm going to paraphrase really badly. <laughs> but he says that basically anyone who considers themselves to be a master of their destiny or someone who is really in control is completely delusional mm -hmm. because he says that real choice when it exists is at the mercy of more things than can be named. Mm -hmm. So I think that when I look back at my own life, it's not whether it's my partner or my daughter or being at work, all of these things all contribute to a sense of control, a sense of tightness around me, a sense of this gives order and rhythm to my steps. But much like the ducks, they're never fully in order. They're never fully aligned. They kind of spread out in different ways. And I just have to kind of go along with that chorus of it. I think it is an illusion in a lot of ways. Um, I like to make an anecdote where imagine that you have grains of sand in your hands and what you can control are these grains of sand. And now what I want you to do is I want you to hold on and grasp onto those grains of sand as tightly as possible. And what's going to happen? It's going to fall through my fingers. It's going to fall through your fingers. So it is an illusion in a lot of ways. Like maybe, yeah, we'll be able to control some parts of it, but some parts are going to spill over. Some parts we're going to lose. Some parts we're not going to be able to catch or have control over. So what does control feel like? I don't even know. When I have a sense of control, it's as if I know exactly what's going to come next. So, But if, can we ever know what's going to come next? Not at all. Well, we can predict, right, to a reasonable degree. Wouldn't you say that as a therapist, you're in control of the space in the room, whether or not you can create a safe space for somebody. Sure. Are you in control of that? Hmm. I'm not contro in control of the space. I'm not in control of what people bring in. I can help to manage what's being brought in. I talk to people about emotions all the time. We can't control what emotions come up. We can't predict what is going to happen. But what we can do is we can take that information and be mindful of today I feel sad. So today I'm going to need to take it a little bit easier so we can start to manage it. But we can't just say today I'm sad and I don't want to feel sad anymore. So therefore I shall not feel sad. <laughs> I think of the phrase or the term offer. Maybe we can offer people different things. It's not that we can control what's going to happen but we can offer or use intention to bring different things into the room. I can offer people a sense of safety. Right. I can offer an opportunity to listen without judgment. I can offer my smile. I can even offer vulnerability. Sure. But I can't control what happens after that offering is given. I'm reflecting on something you had mentioned earlier, which is that you're not sure what it is to be in control, but you definitely know what it's like to be out of control. And I think it comes back to this idea that things are often derived by their opposite or their inversion. 
that we don't really know what it is to be in control until the moment that we feel out of control or we don't really respect or appreciate that we're healthy until we're feeling sick. Yeah, like right now I have a cold and I am really cloudy and my my I have so much pressure in my sinuses and my throat really hurts and all I keep thinking about is, oh gosh, I just wish I was healthier and I I hardly ever get sick because I like pump vitamin C into my blood every single day, right? <laughs> so now that I'm sick, I'm like, oh, I can't work out like I usually do and I can't like have like a glass of wine like I usually do after work or even just in general, like I can't do the things that I usually do. So it's it's funny how I just realize more maybe the, the negativity versus the positivity, like emotions too. It's easier to recognize when we feel sad or out of control versus when we feel happy or in control. There's also, there's that, that you were mentioning of things you can't do when we feel out of control suddenly we just stop all other activities that would maybe even bring us a sense of presence or a sense of joy within our lives one of the things i reflect on with people in session is this idea that we want to hide or kind of defend against the negative things that we feel so i'll see a lot of people and even in myself I'm not going to be sad today, like you were saying, or I'm not going to let anyone know that I'm really angry. Mm. And what ends up happening is we don't really control those types of feelings. Often everybody around you knows that you're upset or everybody knows that you're feeling bad. Yeah. The thing that we really put a leash on is our elation, our sense of presence and our sense of joy. We'll stop ourselves from doing the activities that really make us feel alive and a sense of vitality. Mm-hmm. I think we also try to create that sense of control in terms of our our presence outside. So we don't want to show people that we're angry or sad, but we'll post on Facebook, oh, these beautiful tulips around Chicago, hashtag blessed, <laughs> to, make, to make it seem like we do have control and that we are happy. So it's interesting that that social media um, presence that we put out there to make people around us think that, no, 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 we've got everything under control. I would love to start taking pictures of just things that we cannot control and just put just hashtag not in control. Yes. Just no, sorry, this thing, don't like it, but you can't do anything about it. New challenge to all of our listeners. What we want you to do is we want you to post things on Twitter, put hashtag not in control. That would be amazing. Hashtag so, mindful chatter. <laughs> so one of the one of the things that comes up for me as we're talking about things about not being in control in the stories that we tell ourselves about what we cannot do is it makes me think of when i found out i was going to be a father so i was 26 and in grad school and i remember this day so vividly i was i literally had broken up with my girlfriend at the time a week ago and I suddenly kind of get this, this sense of elation. You know, this relationship wasn't really working out. I'm talking to my dad and I'm talking about future plans, what I'm going to do. I learned a lot. And this is what my life is going to look like. I'm going to get back into my studies, back into working on my dissertation. And I'm at the school library. And I had just come out of a class 
where one of our professors had described that in life, sometimes you have to accept that you're not going to be in the driver's seat, but that doesn't mean you can't look around and see where you're going. So after this class, I'm walking with my friend Brian, who I mentioned before in a couple of pre- previous episodes, and we go to the library and I'm going to get started on my dissertation work and he just goes, time to get to work. And then all of a sudden my phone rings and it's who would eventually become the mother of my daughter calling and all she says very simply, I need you to come over right now. And she hangs up. Oh my gosh. And instantly I just knew. I don't know how I knew, but I knew. And I looked at Brian and I just said, I got to go. And I went down to the blue line and I'm walking down. After I get off the blue line, I'm walking down the street. It's off of Milwaukee. And what was crazy was that there were all of these street signs and all of them seemed to be named after women I had dated before. Hmm. And so I'm walking past like Elizabeth Street and I'm walking past like Vanessa Corner and stuff like that. (laughs) And I'm just noticing that in this moment, I'm like, wow, all of these streets that were available that could have taken me anywhere. Suddenly, I'm not on those streets. I'm just on this one. And I'm heading towards this experience. So I meet her at a Walgreens and she's got, you know, the pregnancy tests in her hand and she's buying like three of them because she didn't believe the first one that she took. And so we get back to her house and she goes into the bathroom and I'm waiting outside and she comes back and she says all of these are showing up positive. And at that moment, I went into pure denial. I can still feel it in my head. I'm not sure how I was able to do this, but it was as if I took a wall and I just put it right in front of me. And I just didn't want to see it. And I remember and recall just point blank looking at her and saying, well, we'll we'll go to a real doctor and we'll figure out what this really is because there's just no way. And you weren't ready to accept it. Not at all. I hid it for weeks from my family. I remember when we went to the first um, appointment that she had at a Planned Parenthood, I was sitting in the waiting room and all I could think about was man, it's going to be so awkward when we have to have that conversation about how she didn't have a baby and how our relationship is over and I'm going to go back to, you know, all of the more important things in my life. And she came out and the results were the same and she was pregnant. When I tried to communicate with my family, I think I told my mom first and then later my brother, and then my dad. And telling my dad was the hardest because that was really confronting the reality of it for me. And he didn't speak to me for 
four or five days afterwards. This is someone who I talk to maybe every other day, every two days. And I remember the silence between us felt deafening and I felt judged and I felt trapped and all of the things that I couldn't control just felt like they were on top of me. So then there was this real moment that came in. This is when I knew that I was entering into a space of acceptance. So we had our first appointment post finding out that she was actually pregnant. And this is the appointment where you go in and they're going to actually hear the heartbeat of your child. And I remember that I had read online that usually with first-term pregnancies, there's a good chance that a person could have a miscarriage, that it's a pretty delicate moment. So here we are in this hospital, two people who have only been together for maybe six months, had broken up, had a lot of tension and argument. And I had this very clear moment where we were about to hear the heartbeat of this child that I did not decide, I did not ask for. You and did in, not control that this was happening. I didn't control that this was happening. Or decide that it was happening. Yeah. And they're putting like the gel to get the, the ultrasound going. And there's this really clear moment to me where I thought to myself, and within myself, I answered yes. So was that you taking control? I think that was me making an offering. I felt in that moment that it would have been so much sadder after weeks of hiding and fighting and arguing with myself and avoiding, and avoiding when it finally came to it. And I could see the fear in my partner's eyes. At the time, I realized that I, I couldn't, I couldn't fight it any longer. And I wanted to hear something. And when the sound on and I heard my daughter's heartbeat for the first time suddenly all of these possibilities opened up in front of me because I could accept that it was happening I started to think of the things I was going to teach her and it wasn't elaborate things I just thought about I get to show somebody what grass looks like or you know Hey, I can read to you or I can sing them all of these songs out of key. So in some ways, it's kind of funny because now this thing that I didn't want, this thing that I didn't ask for, has now become the thing that defines so much of what my life looks like, so many of my days, so much of my career is actually really articulated through my being a father. 
So in that space, control was taken away from me. And then in some ways I found something else, which was a sense of presence and a real sense of acceptance. It sounds like from that moment that you got to acceptance and let go of control, you gained another sense of sense of your identity. I make a metaphor a lot of times where, you know, we can prepare for the weather to come. So we look at the our weather app and it says 70% chance of rain. So we put on our big clunky rain boots, we get our huge umbrella that we have to pack in a separate bag. We wear our rain jacket that's not really comfortable and makes a lot of swishing noises. And then all day long, you're like waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for it to rain. And it just doesn't rain because of that 30% chance that's saying, "Hmm, guess what? We're not going to rain. So we can prepare all we want for what's going to come up, but it doesn't mean it's actually going to happen. So if we kind of just let go of that control, there's so much that can come from that. And there's so much more presence that can happen. There's so much more grounding that we can experience. We can stop and smell the flowers. Hashtag blessed. So that sense of presence, I always reflect that presence and control have a very interesting relationship. And the way that I see it kind of goes like this. During moments of control and where I'm trying to control something, it usually means I have less presence. I'm not listening to something. I'm not noticing something. In fact, I'm even trying to really tune out all things so that I can just get one thing done or whatever. You're trying to get the duck back in the row, the one that just stood out of the yeah. row. I'm like, yo, duck. duck, back. Hey, duck number back. two. Back. Duck number two. Get back, get back <laughs> in the row. Ezekiel, please. So... The funny thing, though, is that when I have more presence, when I'm opening myself up, when I notice not just the ducks, but the park that I'm at, when I notice the sun is shining, when I notice that it's cloudy, when I notice that there's music playing, then all of a sudden I can see more of the world. And in that way, I kind of inherently have more control because there are more options available by being present. So it's funny, the more control you seek, the less presence you have, but the more presence you have, the more control you're kind of actually afforded, not to control the outcome, Mm. but ultimately to see the possibility. Right, because no matter what, again, we can't control what emotions come up or what things are going to happen in our lives, but what we can do is we can just kind of embrace them. And if we're more presence, we're more grounded, then we can embrace those in a different way versus if we are trying to put those ducks in a row and duck number two keeps stepping out of line and you're like, are you effing kidding me with the second duck? Get back in line. And that can take us to another level of being overwhelmed, feeling anxious, feeling all of those feelings that are really kind of overwhelming. I can't help but also think that my biography is going to be called the second duck (laughs) because I refuse to be controlled by you, Rachel. I'm and to be put, to you. don't put me in that row, Rachel. I'm not trying to put I you in any row. I don't want to be in any row. I think you're trying to project that onto me. I don't appreciate that. We'll talk about projection next. Hashtag <laughs> duck number two. <laughs> Hi, 
by letting go of control and focusing your attention to what is in the here and now, what are the possibilities, not necessarily the outcome of something, can give us and afford us a lot more opportunity to move in any direction. Yeah, we can be mindful, we can just open ourselves up to these feelings that, yeah, okay, some feelings that aren't good, but also the ones that are good. We're mindful of them and then we can enjoy them a little bit more. When I'm healthy again, I'm gonna feel like a superwoman and I can't wait for that. And if I actually embrace it and I'm open to it and I don't just try to control my vitamin C intake all day long, <laughs> it might just come and be a nice surprise when I wake up in the morning and I can actually breathe through my nose. <laughs> so that brings me to a poem by Wendell Berry called The Real Work. It may be that when we no longer know what to do, we have come to our real work. And that when we no longer know which way to go, we have come to our real journey. The mind that is not baffled is not employed. The impeded stream is the one that sings. Alan Lupin is the producer of our podcast. He is incredible and is the one that puts all of the cool music in the background. And he also made our intro music. You can check him out more of his music at soundcloud.com forward slash silly and vibes. We also have a website. It's so exciting. I'm not creative in that way all the time, um, but I did help create the website. It's at mindfulchat.org. Pretty excited about it. So head over there and check it out. Subscribe to our channel on iTunes at Mindful Chatter. We're also on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com forward slash Mindful Chat. Follow us on Twitter at Mindful Chat and send anything that you would like to hear to mindfulchatterpodcast at gmail.com. This episode about control was actually given to us from one of our listeners. So that's really Someone exciting. controlled us. Someone controlled us. <laughs> Check us out. Send us anything that you guys want to hear us chat about. And this has been our uh, eighth episode. Holy cow. About control. This has been Mindful Chatter. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.